So glad to be back here with y'all, our wonderful listeners. So thanks for being here. This is Kim Honeycutt. And this is Dan Bruzek. Hey, Dan. It's good to see you, brother. Likewise. Yeah, it's always good, good to, to be see here. You. Absolutely. So this week, we had ICU Talks, and the topic was chronic hope, chronic pain. Really broad topic for um, just encompassing how so many of us have physical pain, chronic pain. We also have emotional pain. But because of the Lord, we also have chronic hope. Yes. So there are a lot of circumstances out there. And so the person you're about to hear is a young man named Nehemiah. And you talk about someone who's had almost every circumstance, trial, physical ailment thrown at him. And I think he just laughs in their face about it. Yeah, and for the extra excitement, he was in the hospital up until about an hour or two before That's he was right. there. But still made sure that he would be yeah. at our gathering. So yeah, and just a really we could cool see guy. him beforehand in the green room. He didn't, you could tell he really didn't feel well. Right. But not on stage, you couldn't. Right. Because he was just the Lord. I've been looking forward to his um, speech ever since we uh, interviewed him in November of last year. Yeah, so for his, inter- really for his audition. For so enjoy what you're about to hear. You're about to be blessed. Thank you. Yeah. Take it off. No, not to How's everyone doing today? Great. Can you guys hear me pretty good? Can you guys hear me? Awesome. Um, so I was trying to figure out, figure out how to start today's um, talk. And then it clicked this morning on how to start it. <laughs> I just got out of the hospital literally like three hours ago. Um, and that last song that she sang hit me really hard. You know, the, the words, thankful for my scars. The nurse actually, you know, told me, hey, are you going to wear a long, sleeve, a long sleeve today to cover up your, you know, needle holes? Um, <laughs> and I said no, because I think this is a big part of who I am. And I think for me to show my scars wherever I go, it makes a point to that no matter how bad the scars I have, I'm still here today. And it's not because of me, and it's not because of doctors or pills, it's because of the awesome God that we have. Amen. So we should all give applause. <clears throat> so I want to uh, just rewind things a little bit and kind of tell you a little bit about my journey. So I was born with something called Cornelia Delange syndrome, CDLS. Um, It's pretty rare. It's one in 30,000. One in every 30,000 live births uh, will have this uh, syndrome. It's genetic, um, which is interesting because nobody from my mom's side or my dad's side has it. So I just caught it out of nowhere. I was the lucky one. Um, I was also born with a severe form of scoliosis. Um, And this wasn't normally, uh, this didn't happen normally. So when my mom was nine months pregnant uh, with me, she had an accident and she fell on her stomach uh, about three and a half feet on boulders. And when that happened, it hit my side as a baby, and she didn't go to the hospital because at that time they were really poor. 
Um, they supported 13 siblings at that time in a two-bedroom apartment in Santa Ana, California. So she didn't go to the doctor. Uh, what she didn't know that when she fell, I flipped in her stomach. Um, so I was born. What they also didn't know what happened was um, when I flipped, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. So for the last, how long does it take to, to make babies? Nine months? So, so yeah, so like the last two months, the last two months, I was basically being strangled in my mom's stomach and she had no idea. Um, birthday came and they were pulling me, basically pulling me out of my mom's um, stomach. <laughs> I'm, I'll say stomach. <laughs> stomach, um, not knowing that the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. So they were basically breaking my bones, trying to get me out. Um, so with that said, um, you know, they did testings. My mom couldn't hold me uh, until two weeks later after I was born. Uh, I was in the little NICU thing um, for six months. And I didn't go home. Um, I didn't get to go home in almost a year after being born. Um, the doctors were telling my parents at that time that if I were to get home, there was a slim chance that I would make it out alive. Um, I wasn't born with a vocal cord. Um, I was deaf, uh, blind, um, and I wasn't going to be able to walk. So my parents being poor at that time, they had a decision to make. Those times, you could literally just walk away and give your baby up to the state. Um, they were poor. They were taking care of, you know, 13 siblings, immigrated from the islands. Um, but they made the choice to give me a chance, and they took me home. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that choice because cause I'm still here. Um, I want to go through a couple things. Um, school. School was really rough for me because I was the one sitting alone while everyone played. You know, uh, everyone went on the jungle, uh, the jungle gyms, um, played hopscotch, you know, all the cool things that little kids like to do, and I couldn't do it. So I was always, you know, sitting on the benches and watching everyone have fun. Um, junior high school, I started to feel um, pain. That's when I first started to feel pain, and that's when I started to document and write, you know, what every day felt like. Um, if I can explain how I feel every day, um, you ever been bear hugged by someone really big? Um, well, imagine that 24-7. Uh, by the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, 365 days of the year, you don't get a vacation, you don't get weekends off, you don't get holidays. That's kind of how I feel every day. And not just my arms or my legs or my chest. It's everything. Um, and throughout high school, throughout junior high and high school, I did not share that. People saw, people assumed, because I was a kid with my head down, trying not to show, you know, my tears. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty rough. Um, before I turned 18, my mom and dad took me to go see a specialist. 
that specialist um, basically told my parents that I needed to have an operation if I was to see my 21st birthday. Um, I'm going to rewind it a little bit. When I was 13 years old, I wanted to look like everyone else. Everyone put your hands up. Put your hands up. As you can see, my hands do not look like yours. And I would remember that the first impression, or the first thing everyone saw when they, when they saw me, they always looked at my hands. And I always felt, you know, not normal, I guess. Um, I played drums, self-taught, um, and self-taught not because I wanted to, but self-taught because somebody that I was supposed to, you know, put my trust in um, said that I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. And I heard that conversation because the door was open. It was my first ever drum teacher. After three lessons, telling my dad that because I wasn't holding the drumsticks properly, he didn't want to move further with my teaching. I was 11 years old, and that was the only thing at that time that kept me happy. My drumming, my, my music. So for somebody to tell you, know, you that they're, they're trying to take something away, away, and I thought it was because of my hands, because that's what he said. So what did I do? I went to my parents, hey, I hate my hands. I want to play drums. What, do, what can we do? So I went under the knife at 12 years old to try to look like everyone else, to try to feel accepted. 18-hour surgery, something interesting happened. My heart stopped. For 18 minutes, my heart stopped. And right before they went to go tell my parents that, oh, their kid who just went into the night to look like everyone else, to, to, to feel accepted is no longer there. That would have been crazy. That would have been rough. And then the nurse saw my hands moving, saw me breathing, so they didn't get to tell them. And as you can see, nothing happened. My hands are still the same. Three months later, after a follow-up, they're like, oh, we know what happened. Let's try the other one. And me still wanting to, 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 you know, to have my drums, I wanted to jump on that. And then I looked to my right, and my mom's on the floor crying. I'm like, please don't do this. And I didn't. I decided not to. I'm like, you know what? I'll just roll. I'll just roll with it. You know, if people don't accept it. Oh, well, I'll still have my drumming. No one's going to take that away from me. So I survived that. At 14 years old, at my grandma's house, I was attacked by a 150-pound Doberman Pinscher. He was a beast. The outcome of that, 989 stitches to my head and 24 on my wrist, that you could still see the scars. My mom fainted when she saw, when she saw the blood. 
Um, but I'm still here. Um, I had two drowning incidents in my life. Even though I love the beach still, I'm still here. When I moved to North Carolina in 2016, um, that was the first winter I had here. And it was pretty interesting coming from California. In 2017, in November, I was rushed to the emergency room at 3 o'clock in the morning. Later on that day, around 6, 7 p.m., while I was asleep, I was rushed into the, I forgot what the room was called, but I was put on life support, 100% on a ventilator, breathing for me. I wrote my will. You know, I prayed. I talked to my wife. I don't make it out in a couple days. Just let me go. Because I was tired. Every day I'm tired. But I still push and push and push. Because God gives me the strength. It's not pills. It's not doctors. It's not anything. It's God. And the cool thing about the whole thing is God brought people into my life to help me. If you know me personally, stand up. These are the... And these are the people that's, that's helped me throughout my life, you know. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's always I'm the one inspiring them, yet they have no idea that they inspire me more than, more than anybody would know. Everyone has a story. Mine is not greater than yours. We're all children of God, and we all need to be thankful for what we have. I don't care if, if I hurt every day. I don't care if, you know, I'm in the hospital every day, like today. I was in the hospital last two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I still fight because I know God has purpose. Today, Satan was definitely trying to keep me away from this place. Definitely. We got to the hospital almost 9.30. And we didn't get out until two, three hours ago. And I made that choice to, to still come because I know that I needed to get this message out. That again, no matter what the world says, that's not, that's not the final. It's not the final answer. It's what God says. So be faithful. Put your trust in him. Don't just say it, but do it. Read scripture, share, post, text. I have a rule. If you end up on my cell phone, you're getting random text of scripture or something, something positive. Because at the end of the day, we all need it. And it takes out one message of encouragement to save a life and to change a life. And it all comes from man upstairs. 
He deserves all the glory, not me. So I thank him with all of my heart and for giving me this light, no matter what it is. And I have a scripture I would like to share. It's Psalm 119, verse 30, verse 50. My comfort in my sufferings is this. Your promise preserves my life. So no matter what I go through, no matter how bad I hurt, I know that my salvation is promised. So thank you so much.